Good morning. Mother's Day is a mixed blessing. Um, we have singles who long to be married. We have wives who long to have children. We have individuals who do not know their mothers. We have individuals who have less than ideal memories of their mothers. We have mothers who are estranged from their children. We have many of us whose mothers have passed away. And so it, it can be a very difficult day for many of us. It brings not only joy, but sorrow, anger, for some even hopelessness. I know personally that Mother's Day can, can bring a lot of pain. There were many years when Karen and I couldn't even come to church because of the pain of, of Mother's Day. And so I understand the different emotions that take place on a day like this. It can make it very tough to navigate. It can make it very tough to preach. <laughs> and so I do not want to trivialize any of those emotions today. And so before I begin the sermon, we're going to have a pre-sermon. All right. And so if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, I want to share from God's word some thoughts to those of us who may be hurting some thoughts to those of us who may be angry or really to anyone who has less than joy today. Philippians chapter 4, verses, verses 4 through 8. And, and this is familiar to many of us. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. This passage brings out a number of things that can help us when we're dealing with difficult situations or, or difficult days. And the first is rejoice in the Lord. I mean, even when we're hurting, we can rejoice in the Lord. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our comforter. He's our help in time of need. And he will shelter us under his wing. He'll hear our cry. And so focus on him when you're in difficult circumstances. Second is it says the Lord is at hand. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? If you're a Christian, God is never far off. He's at hand. He's here with you today in whatever you're going through. We are never alone. Three, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be lonely. Don't be hurt. Whatever emotion you are going through, we can take it all to the Lord. We can take it to Him in prayer, and He will hear us. 
4, it says, His peace will guard you. What an amazing promise. We all want peace in our lives. And God promises to give it to us in such abundance that we can't even comprehend it. It surpasses our understanding. And it says that this peace will guard us. It will guard our hearts. It will guard our minds. Now, this peace goes beyond just meaning without conflict. It's the idea of shalom. It's the idea of wholeness and well-being. And this peace stands over us to guard us and to protect us and to watch over us. And the fifth point it makes is we're supposed to think rightly. Often when we're hurting, often when we're going through difficult circumstances, our minds go in the wrong direction. We spiral down. We start to think negatively. In our family, we call it stinking thinking. But God wants us to pull us out of the pit. He wants us to think rightly. Whatever is true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's worthy of praise, wants to think about these things and think rightly. And it talks about how peace and joy will come. And this peace and joy guards us. They're sentries protecting us. And so our hearts and our minds can have a defense. And God is at hand always. Amen? So as we go through this day, if this day is less than what you hope it will be, focus your mind, focus your thinking on the right things. Remember that God is at hand and God cares for us. And we can take whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever we're going through, and we can take it to Him. All right, that was the pre-sermon. So let's go on to the sermon today. Do you know that we're all different? Did you figure that out? First, we have male and female. Well, actually, Facebook says that there are 51 genders to choose from, so I'm not sure which one you are today. As far as I'm concerned, there's only two, all right? And that's enough difference on most days, all right? We have young and old. We have first service people. We have second service people. We have early morning people, late night people. We have Star Trek people. We have Star Wars people. And we have some that don't care. Can you believe that? How could you not care? Anyway, the list goes on and on. But there's one thing we all have in common. Each and every one of us has a mother. Sam Crabtree, he's an author, he's the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church. He made this comment on his blog a while back. He said, Mother's Day is not primarily about being a mother and receiving honor, but it's about thanking God for the mother he gave you and giving honor. The people giving honor should include all moms. Persons receiving honor as moms should also be giving honor for their God-given moms. So Mother's Day isn't about us. It's about our moms. And mothers are a gift from God. And Mother's Day really is a holiday for everyone. It's a day for thanking God for his goodness in giving us mothers and an occasion for us to give gratitude so with this in mind, would you turn to Proverbs chapter 23? 
Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to look at verses 22 through 25. And while you're turning there, I just want to share a little about this passage. These verses, verses 22 through 25, are a single unit. They belong together. Um, in fact, some scholars even consider this just one proverb. Okay? So Proverbs chapter 23, it's verses 22 through 25. It says, Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. So the question I want to address today is, does your mother rejoice? Is your mother glad? We are all sons and daughters. And so does our mother rejoice in the way that we live our life, in our actions, in our beliefs? I mean, this is what the proverb is telling us. It's instructing us. It's that part of our goal in life is to make our mothers and our fathers glad and that they should rejoice in the way that we live by and live out the word of God. The first part of this passage gives us the commands we're to follow. And the second part of the passage gives us the motivation, which is to give our parents joy. So the, the first part, the commands, it says, listen to and do not despise your parents. Now notice that this listening and not despising, it begins at birth. It says, the father who gave you life. So it begins from birth and it continues to when your parents are old. Respect does not end when you're 18 or at whatever age you become an adult. Respect for our parents lasts a lifetime from birth to death. It's a lifetime of honor and respect and it should flow from principle and gratitude. Now, the idea of not despise means to never let go. In this case, it's to never let go of your parents' teachings, especially as it relates to the Bible. We are told to hold on to their instruction throughout our lives. In fact, then it goes on to say, by truth, by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. By the truth. This is very similar to the parable that Jesus talked about. Remember the merchant who went out and purchased a pearl of great price the cost of all that he had. That's how precious the gospel is, how precious wisdom is. Another point that is interesting in this passage is that the focus of obtaining wisdom is on the home, not the school, not the church, but the home. Parents are responsible for imparting wisdom, specifically biblical wisdom and guidance, and that's the focus of this proverb. Again, the author talks about buying the truth and not selling it. And again, the idea he's expressing is we're to obtain wisdom, truth, 
understanding, and we're not to forsake it, not sell it. We are not to trade the truth for lies. We are not to think that the world has something better to offer than God does. It's not wanting to live ungodly because it seems pleasurable, but rather wanting to live a holy and righteous life. And so we're commanded to listen to and not despise our parents. We're to honor them their whole life, our whole life, and we are to buy truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding from them, and we are not ever to depart from it. Those are, those are the commands. Now, the motivation so that our mothers, our parents, will rejoice and be glad. Now, unlike in much of today's society, family was of utmost importance, and when one person received honor, the whole family received honor. Similarly, if a person brought disgrace, it disgraced the family name. So when we as sons and daughters bring happiness to our parents, the whole family can rejoice and be glad. And I'll add to this. When we bring gladness and rejoicing to our mothers and fathers, not only does our family receive honor, but the family of God receives honor. And most importantly, God is honored and receives glory because it's his word that instructs us to do this. Because God always receives glory when we are obedient to him and his word. Also, we can receive promises when we are obedient to him. I mean, in this case, it's a bold promise. And many of us are familiar the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. It is a joy to parents, to believing parents, to see their children walking in the truth. In fact, it is a believing parent's fondest desire and hope. So if the motivation of making your parents glad and rejoice is not enough motivation, then maybe the fact that blessings come to us as we honor our mothers may help. Our days will be long, and life will go well for us. Those are mighty promises. But if causing our parents to rejoice, and if blessings to us are not enough, then at least honor your mother because God commanded it. And if you do not care about the blessings, then at least fear the consequences of not doing so. Hear what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. They're, they're going back and forth. It says, the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? for they do not wash their hands when they eat. So Jesus answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with your lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
did you catch what Jesus is saying here? He's quoting from Scripture. He says, whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. God takes honor of parents very seriously. And he goes on to say that our worship is in vain if we are not honoring God's word by honoring our mother and father. Now what's interesting is God does not put conditions on this honoring. It is not if your mom is the best in the world. It is not if your mom does good to you. And it's not if your mom is worthy or deserves honor. It is honor your father and your mother, period. There are no conditions. There are no exceptions to the honoring, even if your parents are unworthy of receiving it. It is a command without exceptions. Because in reality, it's not about honoring them. It is about honoring God. Because if we cannot honor those we see, how can we honor the God who we do not see? And one of the ways that we give honor to God and show love to God is by obeying Him even when it is difficult. So if you will not honor your mother because she deserves it or because of the blessings, then you do it because you're honoring God. Now, no one is saying that honoring our mothers would be easy. In fact, it may be the hardest thing God has ever asked you to do. But whether it comes naturally, whether it's hard, whether your mom deserves the honor or not, it is a command of Scripture and it is a command to be obeyed. Now, something that caught my attention in one of the commentaries I was reading took me from this passage to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And, and they wanted to show how that for believers, honor should be a part of our life. But the opposite is, is true in the world. For unbelievers, the lack of honor is actually one of the signs of the end times. And so if you're looking for the end times, well, just listen to this passage from 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Okay, so we're talking about the last days, all right? And here's the description of the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So we have Paul here writing to Timothy, and he's preparing Timothy and us for the last days and what we can expect. And he gives us a list of things that should make us shudder. I mean, do, do we see people today that are lovers of money? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Do we? Okay. Do we see people who are proud? Do we see people that are arrogant, ungrateful? How about heartless, brutal, not loving the good, conceited, lovers of pleasure? Do we see all that today? 
And do we see disobedience to our parents? You want to be different than the world? Do you want your light to shine? Show respect to your parents because that is so unlike the world. Give them honor, regardless of their age. Do not be like the world. Show honor and show respect. But how do we do that? Well, the Bible gives us several examples of how sons and daughters should treat their mothers, giving them honor. And the first is from the Old Testament, Jacob and his mother, Genesis chapter 28. It says, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went, and he went to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to take a wife, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother. So Jacob honored his father and mother even when it concerned who to marry. I want you to think about that. In one of life's biggest decisions, he honored his mother and he obeyed her wishes. Do we honor our mother in the decisions that we make? Even in the big decisions that we make? Or Ruth with her mother-in-law. Now, Naomi's the mother-in-law of Ruth. She's going back to Israel after the death of her husband and her sons, and one of her daughter-in-laws goes back to her people, but Ruth insists on going with Naomi. And, and, And we read, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I would be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So Ruth is giving honor, not just to her mother, but to her mother-in-law by staying with her and to take care of her, regardless of the cost to her. And she's also honoring God. He will be her God. Again, at whatever cost, she's going to follow God. And so do we have that kind of unwavering loyalty towards our mother and to our God? How about Solomon toward his mother? Now, Solomon at this time is king of Israel. And his mother comes to him for a request. So how did the king treat his mother? Now, I want you to remember that Bathsheba was his mother 
and that she is married to his father, David, and they got married under very ugly circumstances, which were very displeasing to God. Listen to what happens. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of another son. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. And then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. And then he said, then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Did you catch what King Solomon did? It said he arose to meet her. It said he bowed down before her and he set up a throne on his right for her. Solomon is one of the greatest kings in history and yet he stooped and he bowed and he honored his mother. Even great kings bow before their mothers. We should honor our mother. Do we? Do we give honor to her? It wasn't Mother's Day when he did this, by the way. And she had a need. And even when she was asking for help, he honored her. I also would like to look at two New Testament examples. The first is Jesus with his mother. I mean, sometimes we forget that Jesus grew up in a family. And throughout his life, he had a sense of family. And even in the hours of his death, he was taking care of his mother. It says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus is on the cross. He is dying for the sins of the world. And yet, when he sees his mother, he makes one last provision for her. And he had John become responsible for taking care of his mother. And so Jesus set us an example of love and care for our parents. I mean, Jesus was busy at that moment. He's saving the world from our sins. He is dying on a cross, and then he's not too busy to care for his mother. What is our excuse? Do we honor our mother by caring for her even when it is inconvenient? Timothy and his mother, 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 5, um, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I mean, Paul's trying to encourage Timothy to persevere, to continue on in the things he has learned and become convinced of. And his mother taught him these things. He learned from her and from his grandmother, which is also a good reminder not to stop when our children are grown, but to continue teaching the next generation. And Paul was telling Timothy to continue to practice the things his mother taught him and to give honor to her in his obedience and practice of the word. 
Are we continuing to practice the good things our mothers taught us, especially when it pertains to living out our faith? So we have five examples from Scripture and five takeaways. Do we honor our mother in the decisions that we make, even the big decisions like Jacob did? Do we have that same kind of unwavering loyalty towards our mother, even our mother-in-laws, and to our God that Ruth had? Do we honor our mother like Solomon did his? Do we honor our mother by caring for her even when it's inconvenient like Jesus did? And are we continuing to practice the good things our mothers taught us even like Timothy did when he was grown? Are we continuing on in the faith? You know, I know this has been a difficult sermon for some of us. I just want to reiterate those five points I had at the beginning that we are to rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is at hand. We're not to be anxious that his peace will guard us and we're to think rightly. And for all of us, just a a few final and I hope practical suggestions. We should always respect our parents even when it's difficult. You know, our parents, regardless of their flaws, brought us into the world. They at least kept us alive until we were grown, okay? Give them respect. Treat them with kindness and and deference. Second, find ways to affirm the good things they did in your childhood. Now, it seems like the last few generations, all we like to do is to blame our parents for how they screwed up. Have you noticed that? In fact, there are some people where every conversation about their past or the way they act now begins with, well, when I was growing up, my mother or my father or my situation, and out comes something negative, and they continue to live in the past and be chained by it. Instead, let's find something to affirm in our parents. Let's find something to affirm in our mothers. And for some of us, this will be very easy. And for some of us, it will be very hard. Even if the only thing that you can think of is that your mother did not abort you, then thank God for that. If all you can say about your mother is that she gave you up for adoption, then be thankful for that, that she gave you a chance. But whatever your scenario, growing up, find things to be thankful for in your mother. It will be a blessing to her, but more importantly, it will be an even bigger blessing to you. Three, encourage your parents. I know that for a few people here today, their parents will never accept any blame in how they raised you, and I get that. But for most of us, for most of us parents, as we get older, we become reflective, we start to question ourselves, and we wonder if we did anything right as a parent. Be an encouragement to them. Tell them how thankful you are. Be intentional about it. And not just today, but throughout the year. And four, honor their legacy. As Pastor Tom mentioned earlier, for some of us, our moms are no longer with us, but we can still give them honor. One of the ways we can do that is by passing on the stories to your children or to your grandchildren. 
the stories about your mom and the good things and, and the love that she showed you. And by continuing on in the faith like Timothy did. And so we can still show honor even to mothers who are no longer here. The fifth thing I want to share, it's a little different, is that we do need to have healthy boundaries with our parents, whether they were good parents or, or not. I mean, we need to leave our parents and cleave to our spouse. And just as it's not good to have parents be distant and uninvolved, it's also good to not have them suffocate us. And this may require some difficult conversations, but these conversations should always be done with grace and respect. And the sixth thing I wanted to share is um, we should not always try to change our parents. Just like as a grown adult with a family, I really don't want my parents to keep parenting me. They still do. Um, I try to avoid changing my parents. As a wise man once said, and I'm going to paraphrase slightly, it's not good to give advice to the person who changed your diaper. Okay. Not that we can never give advice, all right? But we do it with grace, we do it with love, and we do it with honor, okay? Yes, our parents have flaws, and there's things that they do that annoy us to no end. But you know what? There's things that we do that annoy them, and there's things that we do that annoy our God, and our Father in heaven loves us and puts up with the annoying things that we do. So as God gives grace to us, we give grace to our parents. Okay? So today we looked at the New Testament and how to deal with the pain of a day that's a mixed blessing for many of us. We also looked at a passage in Proverbs and what it teaches about making our mothers rejoice and be glad. We've also looked at biblical examples of how to honor our mothers. And we've looked at a few practical suggestions to give honor to our mothers. My prayer is that we would all take the truth from God's word and apply it on this Mother's Day and every day. May God bless his word and may give us grace to obey. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>